Thanks for joining us at Keys for SLPs, opening new doors for speech-language pathologists to better serve clients throughout the lifespan, a weekly audio course and podcast from SpeechTherapyPD.com. I'm your host, Mary Beth Hines, a curious SLP who embraces lifelong learning. Keys for SLPs brings you experts in the field of speech-language pathology, as well as collaborative professionals, patients, and caregivers to discuss therapy strategies, research, challenges, triumphs, and career opportunities. Engage with a range of practitioners from young innovators to pioneers in the field as we discuss a variety of topics to help the inspired clinician thrive. Each episode of Keys for SLPs has an accompanying audio course on speechtherapypd.com available for 0.1 ASHA CEUs. We are offering an audio course subscription special coupon code to listeners of this podcast. Type the word keys for $20 off. With hundreds of audio courses on demand and new courses released weekly, it's only $59 per year with a code word keys. Visit speechtherapypd.com and start earning ASHA CEUs today. Welcome to this episode of Keys for SLPs. I am Mary Beth Hines. Before we get started, we have a few items to mention. Here are the financial and non-financial disclosures. I am the host of Keys for SLPs and receive compensation from SpeechTherapyPD.com. No relevant non-financial disclosures exist. Lourdes Ron receives an honorarium from SpeechTherapyPD.com for this episode. No relevant non-financial relationships exist. And now, here's a little bit about our guest today. Lourdes Ron. Lourdes is the proud mother of two sons who are 16 years apart in age, one of whom is a diverse learner. They have lived in South Lake, Texas for 14 years, and she has worked at Fidelity Investments for 19 years. The emotional roller coaster ride that comes with a child with diverse learning can be challenging for a parent. It has taught Lourdes humility and patience. Lourdes says that above all else, it has taught her to never put her son in a box and never think that he can't do something. As time and time again, he has proven, if given time, he can do what he sets his mind to do. Welcome, Lourdes. We are so happy to have you on Keys for SLPs to hear your perspective as a parent, share your journey, and explore post-secondary options for students who are diverse learners. Mary Beth, thank you so much for having me today. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, I feel that it was providential that we met because we met at a tailgate, right? right? And I said I was an SLP and Lourdes said, well, I actually know a lot of SLPs. And we got to talking and I said, you know, you would be a great guest on Keys for SLPs because your insight is so important for other SLPs and other parents to learn and to understand our students and our families better. So I really appreciate you sharing your insights with us. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you. And let's get started. So tell us about your journey as a mother of a child who was a late talker, starting with early intervention. Okay. So I would say Noah, we realized Noah had an issue at the age of two, specifically his babysitter. So I I saw it. Dad was just on the fence. He just couldn't grasp the idea. He said, no, he's just, he's just being a little guy, you know, he'll get there. But Having Daniel and Noah 16 years apart, you could see 
things that weren't clicking the same way that I would see with Daniel. And I said, okay, you know, I don't want to put them in the same basket, but I'm seeing these distinct differences. Fast forward, we're going into kindergarten and the teachers there are the ones that actually came to us and said, you know, we're seeing these, these little patterns with Noah. And I think we really should have them tested for autism. That was the first time I had ever had that mentioned to us. And I said, okay, so what's the process? You know, what do we need to do? They, they told us that we had to see a psychologist and that that person would then evaluate and tell us to determine whether Noah was actually autistic or on the spectrum. He was five years old. He's never been away from us. So that, that episode, which took three hours in a room with a psychologist by herself, wasn't the ideal situation as Noah completely clamped down and wasn't very interactive. So immediately she just put him on that in the bucket of he's autistic, which helped us in the sense that now the school could provide us plenty of services that would not have been available to him had he not been categorized as autistic. With that came the speech pathologist, the PT, and then he was actually taking into a, a special education room, which was giving him time and that nurturing that he needed because he was a child that had serious high anxiety. Anything new would just make him shut down. And these teachers, which I applaud you all, learned how to adapt and conform and, and help him understand that there were certain things he needed to do, regardless of whether he wanted to or not. But they pushed that envelope, but still nurture. And that helped him along the way. But he had several speed bumps, to, you know, and, and lots of challenges to overcome. Because later on is when we found out through the speech pathologist that what Noah was dealing with was apraxia. So he just could not use his tongue the correct way to articulate what he wanted to say, which in turn would frustrate him because he couldn't communicate well. Mm -hmm. And that's where all those meltdowns would come into play. And as a parent, you're just going, oh my goodness, now what do I do? How do I cope with how do, what's his future look like? Mm -hmm. And how old was he when he was diagnosed with apraxia? He was seven when the speech pathologist came in and, and started working with him. And she said, no, what Noah has is apraxia. So that's when she started working with him in a different format. And we started to see little progress. We see him overcome certain things, but he then he'd regress again. It was interesting because we also found out when I took him to physical therapy because he just didn't have good fine motor skills either. And when we took him to the, the uh, physical therapist, she's the one that said, you know, I don't think he's autistic. She goes, I think there's something else going on. She says, because sometimes he picks up quickly and then the next session he's lost it all. And I told her, I said, you know, that's interesting you say that. I said, because I feel like his, he'll have a filing cabinet and it's all coinciding correctly. And then two hours later, I'll ask him the same questions and it's, it's gone. She's the one that told us to go to a doctor in California, Dr. Goldberg. She said, you know, I've seen good things there. And, you know, maybe it's just something physical that's going on that we're not seeing. There's something else cooking here. So we did. We went out there to California. We saw Dr. Goldberg. 
Lo and behold, he did a PET scan on Noah. He did blood work first. As he said, you know, let's find out if he's just allergic to something you may be feeding him. And, you know, it could be causing all this as well. We did that food allergy, found out that Noah was highly allergic to dairy. It was through the charts. And beef was another thing that he was highly allergic to. We did the PET scan and we realized that Noah had a herpes virus that was attacking his front lobe of the brain. So once we figured this out, he put him on an antiviral, we cleaned up his diet, and he told us, he says, in three weeks' time, you're going to see a different child. The meltdowns and that anger that you're seeing should subside. You're going to see a difference. And lo and behold, we did. So the teachers in the elementary school thought we put him on medication. And I had to tell them, no, no, that's not what it was. What it was, was these things were going on, were playing in this internally in him that no one would have known. Who would have thought that, you know, milk was going to cause such an adverse reaction to him? Also, not knowing that a virus was living in his brain. That is so interesting. And how, how long did the doctor say that he had had the virus? He did not know how long he had it there, but he saw it there. And then it came out through in the blood work. Okay. That virus was living well in him instead of being dormant. We all have it in us. And some of us, it'll turn out external on our skins and others, it's internalized. And for him, unfortunately, it was attacking his frontal lobe that causes that blockage for speech. And once we were able to clean things up, we started to notice a big difference. His, his hand and eye coordination got better. You know, he tried really, really hard to have us understand him because truly it was a game of charades because we could not understand him. Yeah, things started to get better. Well, that's amazing. That is amazing. So then how old was he at, at that point? He was eight years old. Eight years old. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. And so then did the doctors at that point, was the diagnosis of autism removed? No, or? it stayed on because the teachers felt, let's keep it because at least we can continue to give him the services he needs. Something that I found amazing with the school district, they actually looked at the body of teachers that they had in special education and said, okay, Noah's dealing with an issue with apraxia. He's also dealing with an issue with fine motor skills. The teachers in this zone are better equipped than the ones that are in your zone. Are you okay with having him moved to the different zone? But because we have the teachers that can actually help him with his, his disability, we were absolutely flabbergasted. And we said, of course, we would love that. If you have someone, you know, because their biggest thing was like, well, he's got his little friends here. We don't want him to miss out on his friends. I said, it's not, you know, he can see his friends on the, you know, on the weekend and during the week. I said, Learning is what I need, and I need somebody that can actually knows what he's dealing with and that can actually help him. And so they were able to do that here, which I, again, I applaud them because, they're again, they're thinking out of the box. Instead of just saying it's a defined line, sorry, we'd love to, but we can't. That's not how they, they looked at things. And so in the new zone, what was his classroom situation like? So he was in a special education class. And what she had there was just five students. And there were three teacher's aides and the teacher. So, and the speech pathologist that went there gave him more help, but also the teacher that was there knew about apraxia. 
Okay. So he was getting double the service, so to speak, because she knew what she was dealing with. I think you said teamwork makes the dream work. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, it's us as parents and teachers and the district. Let's look holistically at how can we best serve this student and thinking outside the box. And that's exactly what this school district did is they said, you know, this is what we, we see the issue and this is our solution. Are you okay with this? And I mean, again, if teamwork does make the dream work, if we can coincide, if we can unite, I always ask the teachers, how are you teaching them? Because that's exactly what I want to mimic at home. So that that way going forward, he's in unison. He knows we speak. We're on the same wavelength when it comes to learning and discipline. Mm-hmm. And that helped tremendously. Well, that's great. So he stayed there for the rest of grade school. And then tell us about middle school. Middle school. So that's the awkward years, as I like to put it, because he's no longer being coddled. And again, I feel that God provided for every season of Noah's life. It seemed like God provided the right teacher at the right season for him, because this teacher was outstanding. She was nurturing, but very firm. And so when he'd have his meltdowns, because now math was no longer what it was in elementary. Now it was changing up. Reading was also a little harder. We've got history now. What's all this about? He would put that shield up and she would say, hey, it's okay. We're not in elementary, but I'm going to put on a timer. You've got 10 minutes to regroup and then we're going to get back into it. And I did the exact same thing at home. Whenever he would put up a roadblock, I'd say, hey, it's okay. You want to go sit in your room for a few minutes? Let's put the timer on, on the microwave. When you hear that ding, ding, time to come out. We got to get back to it. That system worked for us. Oh, that's wonderful. Not all the time. (laughs) Not Well, but it's nice to hear how you were working so well together with the teacher and really collaborating Mm -hmm. throughout his years. Okay, so then high school, tell us a little bit about high school. So high school, he got involved with the basketball. So he was in Special Olympics, and it just so happened that in Special Olympics basketball, they would have the varsity team play the Special Olympics team as their last game. So it was a big hurrah, and but Noah had developed skills, both in baseball and basketball, and he could shoot three pointers from everywhere. And that really wowed the coach, the varsity coach, because he couldn't believe what he was seeing. So he came at, at us at the end of the Special Olympics program. And he said, listen, I want him to try out for my team. And we were like, are you serious? He goes, he may not get it. He goes, but I want him to be a manager. He goes, I want him to be a part of this. And so we did. Noah tried out. He didn't get it. And coach was like, that's okay. We still want you to be a part of the team. And he was a manager for the varsity team right up until he graduated. I mean, and that was a game changer for him. But prior to that, in middle school, he was 14. He was asking us, you're never around when, when you know, I'm doing my Special Olympics and I'm competing because I was at work. So I talked to my husband and I said, you know, I think it's time for me to walk away. He wants us there. He wants someone there to represent him. So let me be that one. I was at home watching the Today Show when neurofeedback came on. 
and it was regarding people with high anxiety and how this kind of changed their view and stabilized their brain and, and they felt more confident and, and comfortable in their skin. That was a component that Noah was missing. If he could disappear into a wall, he would be so content. When he'd walk down the hallway, if anyone said hi, he just didn't know what to do with himself. I did some more research on it, found a place in Dallas called the Brain Performance Center, took him there. They did a test and we saw that he had a lot of high energy on, going on in his brain. And we also saw that how Noah processed information instead of neurons going across, he kind of had this scenic route to get to the end point which was causing all the trouble for him to learn and to retain the information that was being provided to him. So it, what would take a child, a normal child, maybe three to five times to grasp the concept, it would take Noah 15 to 20 times to finally get it to gel. We did 14 sessions of neurofeedback. And during that time in middle school, I asked the teachers, hey, just let me know if you see something different in Noah. Is he retaining information? How's it going for him? And within a month, they asked me if I put him on medication because they said the information he's retaining, he's quick to answer. He wants to participate. One of the teachers said, you know, we put the exam out for him, the STAR test. And she said, take your time. And he said, oh, I know this. And she said, he just started going out. And she said, oh, my goodness. Like, I need you to slow down. I need you to slow down. She just thought this is going to be a bomb. She says, but he got it. She goes, so we are trying to understand what happened. So I explained to them what he went through. And that was the catalyst for Noah to be, I would say, extroverted. Now, instead of introverted. And that's who he is today. That's incredible. So he had 15 sessions and then did he go back for any additional? No. So that's the best thing about neurofeedback is once those neural paths are, so to speak, spliced in the direction that they should be going, they stay. So there's no more. He has not been to another session since. Okay. So that was in middle school. And yes. then he, when he went to high school, he had the excellent experience with the varsity with the basketball. Varsity, yes. With varsity, with his teachers there, which they were just very great at making him want to be independent. So they pushed that on him. Hey, you know, take this to the principal's office. Or can you tell the principal that we need this? Or this, you know, the administrative assistant, can you tell her we need this? And so he was the go-to and they just kept giving him more responsibility. And he thrived in that because he felt so good that he could actually get it done. Well, that's great. And so was he in the mainstream classroom or was he in a separate classroom? He was still in special education, but he was taken out for history because he loved history. They were trying to integrate him in a, in a history class just to get more information. And then they stream him back in. Okay. Okay. So then I know we're going to get into the post-secondary education, but a little bit more, but at what point in high school, in his high school experience, did you realize that there might be a potential that he could go to college? So for Noah, we had been talking about it, but everything was far. It was either New Mexico, Oklahoma, Arkansas. I just, my heart sank every time I thought about that because it, 
the guidance counselor, she was like, Lord, he can do it. He can do it. And I said, oh, I bet he could. But I said, if I get the call, you know, at seven o'clock at night that, hey, I'm lost. I said, and I'm eight hours away. That's a nervous breakdown for this lady. I could not bring myself to. So I just said, you know, it's truly going to be in God's hand if this comes to fruition, because it's going to have to be someplace close. And lo and behold, UNT finally in his senior year, because he had gone there for speech therapy for four years. So while he was in high school, we would go every Wednesday for an hour for him to have speech therapy at UNT. And he loved the campus, but there was no program yet. And they offered so many programs during the summer for diverse learners. And yet they didn't have a four-year program. And they were like, we're trying to, we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to get there. And during his senior year is when it happened. So I said, okay, we're going to put all our eggs in this one basket and see what happens. And it came to be out of 60 students that went in to apply, 20 were interviewed. He was one. And out of five that were going to be in that first year program, he was the one that was selected of the 20. Wow. Wow. Well, what an accomplishment and congratulations to you and to Noah on your perseverance. Yeah, really. That's exactly what it is. And that's what I want to tell every parent is like, think big, think beyond today. And I'd like to stress that to the teachers as well, because now that there's so many opportunities, there's so many universities, there's so many colleges, there's so many programs out there that are looking at diverse learners and saying, hey, they have every right and every potential. Let's give it to them. Let's let's offer it. Let's see how far they can go. And that's what I would say to, to parents. Don't close yourself. Be open to the possibility. Teachers, from middle school to high school, I would say, start making them more independent of themselves. At home, make them more independent of themselves because truly that's exactly what campus life is like. They're not going to sugarcoat it for these kids. They're going to actually want them to have the college experience. And that's what he's having today is that college experience. He's in a dorm, you know, with regular students. He's going to two classes that are with regular students. The only modification that they do for diverse learners is instead of 50 questions, it's 25. Instead of an hour and a half, they give them an hour, but they get it. And they get the same assignments as regular students do. And this is a four-year college program? Yes, this is a four-year certification program. How is a certification different than a degree? So a certification is just basically saying that they met the requirements for a diverse learner for that program. He's got to meet certain standards. It's just like a student would for a degree. He does not come out with a degree. But what he comes back with is that sense of independence it's that sense of accomplishment that I did this. He's gotten into so many clubs, things that he never thought he'd even contemplate doing, he's doing now. So it's so funny when he first started campus life, we have this app called Life360. I was the one that was constantly monitoring, like, okay, where is he? Where's, where is he? What's he doing? Is he, is he in the dorm? Like, where's he headed? And then now I don't even look at that app. Because he is just one busybody and he's in a club. He's at the rec center playing basketball with the guys. He's living life and loving life on campus. That's great. What are some of the clubs he's involved in? He's in the Disney Club. 
He's in a basketball club with regular guys that just go on Tuesday and Thursday nights. So he's there at the rec center playing basketball with them. There's another club that's like a, a cooking class. They just all get together and they'll cook meals. And he's doing that. So he's oh, that's just great. figured little little avenues where he's like, okay, this sounds interesting. He went to his first little concert on the greens there. And he just texted and said, I'm headed to a concert. Okay, sounds great. Now tell me, like five years ago, would you have ever imagined that this was possible? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I didn't. Just to clarify for people, mm-hmm. he's a freshman now or a yes. first year student. Yes, first year. Okay. So five years ago, if you had to think to the future, what were you considering? We were thinking, okay, well, let's just see if he can finish school. This was before neurofeedback. Let's just see how things go. I mean, he learned how to ride a bike when he was in eighth grade. And this was through a program in Arlington, Texas, that was for diverse learners And it was a two-week program for him to learn indoors and then take him outdoors. You think about that. And I'm like, well, you know, we're we're definitely doing baby steps here, but we're going in the right direction to doing neurofeedback. And Noah, now he wants to come home after this year and he wants to get his driver's license. He wants to get his driver's permit. He wants to learn how to drive. I would have never in a million years thought this possible. Wow. Wow. Well, that is amazing to hear. All right. So, and you do have information that the neurofeedback that you did was the Brain Performance Center and it was under... Dr. Lee Richardson. All right. So tell us about your process. So once you decided college could be a possibility and your process that you and Noah took and what other people would do if they were interested in such a program. Starting with researching, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Research is vital. Look at the different aspects of the program because not all programs are the same. We have some friends that are in Arkansas, University of Arkansas. Their program is quite different than the UNT Elevar program, whereas the students are diverse learners are in a house and there's someone living in the house 24-7, kind of watching over So they have Big Brother there. Noah's program is totally different. He's in a regular dorm setting. And so it's on him to get himself ready in the morning, to get his assignments done, get to class, and do everything on his own. Is he in a single dorm or does he have a roommate? He's in a suite. The only thing that divides them is their shower and restroom. And in his suite, are there students who are in the Elevar program? Or? There are four students there that are in the Elevar program. And then the rest of the students are just regular students in that dorm. Wonderful. Which has been great for him because, again, he goes downstairs and plays pool with the rest of the guys that live in that dorm. You know, I want to be Noah. It sounds like he's having a blast. <laughs> Isn't college fun? It's so wonderful to know that he's having this experience. Mm-hmm. You know, when my kids call home and I, I miss some, but I have to think, oh, I'm just so happy that, you know, you're having the experience that you're having. So I can imagine for you that might be tenfold because you didn't know if this was going to be possible. That's exactly right. I I didn't even fathom this. And so to see him so independent, I'll give you an example. So first year started and 
he was there just a month and he thought, well, you know what? There's a bus that goes from the campus to Walmart. I'm just going to hop on a bus and go to Walmart, get some stuff and then come back to my dorm. Well, he got on the wrong bus and he was headed in the wrong direction. Instead of panicking, I didn't hear of this story until three months later. He called Professor Levingston, Dr. Levingston, who was the program director. And he said, hey, I'm lost. You know, I'm here. I thought it was going to take me to Walmart, but I'm standing in front of here. What should I do? Well, she immediately sent one of her associates to in his car to go grab Noah. But then they taught him, okay, let's show you the route. Let's show you where the actual bus stop is so that you know which bus you're supposed to take that will take you to Walmart. Here's the app to download so that you can see where that bus is when it's coming back to your destination to pick you up. So things like that, that, and I would say that any normal student, it may happen to, but when you think of a person who's a diverse learner, having to now process all of this and think, okay, what do I do now? Do I call mom? Do I panic? Or do I try to make it back home by myself? He picked the right choices. He did. He did. Excellent problem solving. And I love how his teachers, his professors helped him and they figured it out and how, you know, that's the difference between college and high school. You didn't learn of it at the end of the day. You learned of it three months later. Exactly. Through a conversation when I went with the guys to take them to dinner and they said, oh man, remember Noah when you went to Walmart and you got lost? And I said, what? (laughs) (laughs) Now, did he just forget to tell you the story or was he trying to protect you? He was kind of like, yeah, you know what? It's all good. At the end of the day, I got back. Right, right. At the end of the day, you got back. Well, that's great. Okay. How many programs like this are out there? There are actually over 200 programs that are out there, whether it be community college, universities, there's over 200 that are out there. So it's really about honing in what your child's interest is and finding a university that he can explore those avenues. Like for Noah, he's just very passionate about sports. So we were able to connect him with the manager of the men's basketball team at UNT. And he's a manager with the University of North Texas for the basketball team. Oh, that's great. That has been another, you know, avenue that varsity basketball opened for him. And he's thriving in that environment as well. Well, that is wonderful. So you said in this program last year, there were 60 applicants. This year, I'm not quite sure how many applied, but I know that 11 were selected and are coming. Of which I believe there's three girls and the rest are guys. So this prior year was all all male. So it's nice to see that diversity. Now that mix, it's going to be interesting. So he was already told that his sweet mate today will no longer be his sweet mate next year as these guys now have to step up to the plate to show the new ones what campus life is like and show them how to get things done. So he has an opportunity to mentor other students. That's wonderful. Exactly. And he is loving life to the unt degree. As Dr. Levingston, the director of the program, said, she says, oh, Lord, he's my sheriff. She says he makes sure the guys have their assignments in on time and get to class on time if they're going with him. And she says, he's just always on top of things for them. So that's that's great. great. That is wonderful. So what kind of academic advising 
or oversight is there for this program? So for this program, I mean, again, Dr. Levingston, Dr. Barrios and their team, they meet with the students, I would say three times a week. They have a course that they take with the LMR program. They actually take two courses. One is a financial wellness and the other one was sexual education. And those classes are in the LMR program in the office for LMR. And then in addition to that, they have what they call the UNT allies, which are students that want to be a part of the program and want to help our students with their homework assignments. You know, if they're struggling with something, they'll come and they'll sit in the office. They can text each other and say, hey, you know, I'm struggling with this. When are you free? I'm free at this hour. Okay, well, let's meet. And they'll meet. And, you know, it was interesting because at first I was that buddy. I was that ally for Noah. He kept calling me and I said, no, you got you to dial a friend on campus. I said, I'm not the one going through college. You are. So I said, so you've got to find your resources on campus. And he did. Oh, that's great. Did he have any kind of resources, peer mentoring or tutoring when he was in high school? Yes, they did. They did have that. They were called the the buddies at the senior high school. And these guys and gals would come in and help with assignments as well. So that if there was something that he was struggling with, there was always a buddy that he could connect with. So he was familiar with this type of program. The difference was, is he had to go seek it himself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's helped him again come out of his shell and have to rely on himself and his voice to ask for what he needed. And it, these also, I have to tell the parents here too that the professors are truly amazing. These kids have their personal phone numbers that they can text the professor and say, "Hey, I'm not sure what this means," and they will actually make time for our students. And say, okay, come to my office on this time. We'll boil the ocean, so to speak, and, and we'll help you understand what it is that I'm trying to get at. And that's what he's done too. Oh, that's great. Wonderful. All right. So we talked a little bit about the application process. And then, so for Noah, when did he find out that he was accepted into the program? It was in April. It was, a, I believe it was the second week in April that that letter came in. We knew because... Dr. Levingston and Dr. Barrios called and said, hey, we're accepting Noah. We're sending him the offer letter. But don't tell him. Let it come in the mail and videotape it for us. Uh. So we could see the reaction. I said, okay. So we told Noah, I said, man, something should be coming soon in the mail. And so he was always adamant, I'll go get the mail. Do not pick up the mail. I'll go get it. And so it was raining this day. It was pouring. He ran to the mailbox came back and he's like, oh my gosh, there's something from, from UNT. And I said, don't open it in the rain. I said, bring it home. So uh, he did. And I said, I want a videotape. I said, if it's bad, we'll delete the video. I said, but if it's good, I want to capture your reaction. So we did. And he was beyond elated, beyond elated. Oh, that's so fun. I love that you captured it on video. That's great. So really, that was a little over a year ago. And just think about how his life has changed in the last year with this program. How it's changed and how his his growth in himself, that sense of independence. It's funny because when he came back for winter break, I think it was eight o'clock at night. Prior to that, prior to going to campus, he wasn't going out at eight o'clock at night. 
He said, hey, I'll be back. I'm going to go get, you know, a burger at Shake Shack. Me and my husband looked at each other like, what? And he said, yeah, I'll just be back. And he went, ran into town square and picked it up and came back. And I was like, this is the different Noah. This was not the same guy that we used to know that would just come home and, and sit here. He didn't do that. During winter break, he was out and about. He grabbed a scooter and he was going places. Oh, that's wonderful. Ah, you found out a little over a year ago. And then what was the orientation process like? So the orientation, this is something that parents really should start working on today. Orientation was basically an interview process for Noah. What they wanted to see is how tech savvy was he? You know, can he get around a campus? What would he use? They gave him a map, a piece of paper map, but he basically looked at the address and put it in his ways and then was able to go, okay, I, I think I know how I can, I can get to this building. And so it was just kind of like a scavenger hunt for them. And so they had an hour to do that. We had an hour to just to walk around the campus in the opposite direction and look at things. Was this prior to starting school or was this like when you were dropping them off for school? This was prior. They were wanting them to get acclimated to the campus. And then the week prior to classes starting, they call it flight week. That's where they did a lot of immersion on, you know, this is where your classes are going to be. Let's, if you're in this building, how are you going to get to this building? And they just did a lot of walking. I mean, it was funny to look at Noah's eye watch and see how many miles he was putting in. That's what they do. So for anyone that's thinking about college life or the possibility, I would say start teaching them while you're at home, you're in the car. Hey, this is where we're going. Tell me how I'm going to get there. Because that way they can get adapted to using this technology as a way of navigating themselves around. Every time we got in the car, Noah, he loved that app ways. And he would tell us how to get there. But I had no idea that this is what they were going to test him on, right. on okay. campus, which that, that blew my mind when I heard it from another parent that has a child at OU. She says, Lourdes, I don't know if you know this, but they're going to quiz him. And I said, what do you mean? Quiz him. They want to know if they can get around and can use technology to navigate a campus. So I was like, holy smokes. Okay, well, this is good to know. I said, we use it in the car, but we never used it walking. So I started to have him go, hey, all right. We're going to go into town square. I said, I need you to take me to, you know, J crew. And I need you to take me there. You need to show me how I get there and open up your app and let's just go. And that's what we did. Try to get them acclimated to doing it that way because we've never used it walking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which sounds like it was a fun activity for the two of you as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Great. So the certificate is a life skills certificate. Correct. Because basically that's what they're teaching them is life skills. They can take forward. I mean, and again, we've got Bank of America. We have Chase Bank that have been, are coming to the university and asking about our students and asking for, you know, who, who do you think would be a good fit for us? You know, who's tech savvy? Who can do this? Who can do that? And so Alvar, the program, the directors, are also asking parents, hey, we know their dream job is, you know, for like for Noah, for example, you know, he would love to be a manager for a basketball team. 
that's the pie in the sky. That would be the ultimate dream for him. But if that doesn't play out, let's get him acclimated to what life would be in the workforce. And Bank of America is interested in bringing on Noel because how tech savvy he is. That's one of the things that we as parents have to look at too and know that there's plenty of companies that are now looking at diverse learners in a different light and looking to employ. That to me is like the game changer for our kids. Mm-hmm. And he has tasted his independence at college. And this is giving him the confidence to know that he could pursue what he wants to pursue. Exactly. And, you know, he's got his part-time job back home at Trader Joe's. So he's looking forward to talking to Amy again, the general manager, and, and getting his old job back. He's got his bank account, his checking and his savings. He's learning that, you know, you've got to save if you want to have some for later. So he's learning all these life skills as well, you know, on campus. Budgeting. When you go to the first semester, I'll give you the example. They have a flex account where on campus it's called the union, where you have Chick-fil-A, you know, fuzzy tacos. We have all the commercial restaurants are in there. They're allotted $400 for flex. Well, those guys wiped that out in a month. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, what happened? They're like, well, we don't have any more money. I'm like, well, I guess you're going to have to wait till January because the money just doesn't grow on trees. And they had to learn that. They had to swallow that pill first month in. Well, second semester, boy, howdy, did they refrain. And so much so that we're getting a check back at the end because they didn't use it all. Oh, wow. So they totally turned it around and said, okay, we've got to pump the brakes. We can't be eating here every day. Yes, that's great. I think a lot of college students have to learn that. Yes. <laughs> like myself included back in the day. <laughs> All right. So you also recommended besides learning to navigate, to learn to do some things at home. And what kinds of things do you recommend? Absolutely. So again, life on campus is, is independence. Washing your own clothes. Knowing how to use a dishwasher. Because in the dorms, they have a kitchen. So they've got to learn how to do all these things on their own, have them be independent, you know, have them put a grocery list together and go out and actually see what things cost. Because again, it's talking about budget. What am I allotted? And I have to stay with this confine. And how do I do that? What is the better choice? So these are things that they have to learn because on campus, they're going to be required to do these things on their own. There's no one going to be cleaning sheets and clothes for them. So we started that early on with Noah so that even if he didn't go to, to school, you know, these were things that were required of him. On Saturdays, it's chores day and you take care of your room, you take care of your clothes. These are all the things you've got to get done for you. So for him, it wasn't so hard, but it will be different in the sense that on campus, washing machines don't look like the ones at home. They're quite complicated. So it was funny why Dr. Barrios and Dr. Levinson said, hey, just take them to a regular laundromat so they can see what that machine looks like. And I was like, okay, well, I guess. And when we went to the dorms and I saw their washing machines, I'm like, holy smokes, yeah, we need a Word document just to figure out how to use this thing. But they did give him a Word document and he figured it out. 
Very resourceful. Mm-hmm. So I know he just started. He's not even finished his first year. What does he, besides managing basketball, what else is he thinking about doing after college? He really is thinking about Bank of America. He really is. He is looking at that because, as he puts it, that's a job that I can maybe, if I want to stay in Texas, I can do it here in Texas. But if I wanted to move somewhere else, I can do it someplace else with Bank of America. And I said, absolutely, you can. I said, sky's the limit. Like, you have to set the goal and it's yours to reach. And does he plan to live independently after college or come home? You know, right now, it's so interesting to see what a year has done for him. It would not surprise me that he would want his own place, seeing that he wants to now learn how to drive. So he's moving towards that direction of independence and more power to him. I'm like, all right, buddy, let's do this. That's great. So we mentioned at the beginning that you have another son and he was 16 when Noah was born. That's right. Daniel. Daniel. Can you talk a little bit about their relationship and Daniel's reaction to Noah going to college? So when we told Daniel that we were having a baby, he was like, wait, what? I thought I was going to be the only child. What is going on here? Fast forward, he loved having a little baby brother. He's like, oh my gosh, girls just love me because I have a little baby brother. Oh, that's great. Wait a minute, hold on. This is not how we want to use Noah. But their relationship was interesting because then Daniel went off to the National Guard and he was there for six years in the military. And when he came back, it was like they never left each other. The banter. When those two get together, it's like they never skip a beat. They're always at each other. And then the immediate thing is, hey, mom, he said this. Hey, mom, this one said that. So they have a really good, tight relationship. And at first, Daniel was was a little apprehensive. He's like, I don't think he's ready. I don't think he's ready, mom. And I said, you know, we won't know until we try. And he has blown Daniel away and us away with the things that he's doing. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because Daniel truly was the most apprehensive of all of us. We were thinking, okay, you know, if God's opened this door, let's go through it. And Daniel's like, I don't know if this is a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Has Daniel gone to campus to visit Noah? Absolutely. He's gone to his basketball games. He's gone there and, and taken him out to dinner. Yeah. And he's just amazed at how well... Noah has done and how resourceful Noah has become. So yeah, he's just super proud of his younger brother. So tell us about some of the other students in the Elevar program. So you have one student, his sweet mate, who is also a fanatic for sports and wants to be in sports management. You have another student who is a chef who wants to become a chef. He loves to cook for the guys. So I love to see the guys get together because they'll shoot me a video of them cooking and one is chopping up and he's telling me exactly how to use the knife and how he wants it cut. Then you have another gentleman who wants to be a movie director. So he does animations and he's got books of his animations that he's these stories that he puts together so that's where his passion lies and he's been able to connect with people of that they're as passionate as he is about that and then you have one who is just 
he's he's amazing luke lucas he is a cheerleader and they put him on the cheer squad so he's there as a manager but he's learning the routines and he is loving life at to the highest degree on campus well it sounds like they're just having a blast they are and they're all in experiencing things that they're passionate about they've found their niches so to speak now as part of the application process did they have to explain what their passions were and what they wanted to do once they got on campus so that was a part of the interview process was, you know, tell us what you what you're looking to get out of it. What is that you're passionate about so that we know so we can try to find those avenues for you should you decide to come to the University of North Texas. They were able to connect to people that are like minded. It sounds like that was a good process in that it really did help them find students who would excel. Yes, absolutely. And again, allies that are like minded. So, you know, for Noah, he's got his buddy that loves everything about sports. So he goes to the football games with Noah or they'll do pickup games, you know, at the rec center. And he'll text Noah, you know, at eight o'clock at night and say, hey, are you awake? Let's go play a game. There's five guys here. Let's, you know, we need two more. Let's go. And they'll go. Well, that's great. Was there a tuition or did Noah have a scholarship? And what is the approximate cost of the tuition? There is a tuition. It is 32000 for the year, and that includes everything for the year. That includes the spending, his meals, his dorm, and the classes and books. Mm -hmm. And is that approximately the same as the tuition for other degree-seeking students? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Okay. But there are grants. They have a program for grants at UNT. Here we are talking about what does the future look like to know that your son is married, that he's got a family, that he went through the university, he graduated, he's living life. Like that's all we can aspire for our children, to be productive members of society. And now we're universities, you know, community colleges are giving us the tools we need to see this happen. So true. So true. And it's so wonderful that there are so many more programs available in so many different areas. If living on campus is not right for everyone, the community college route is is excellent. Now, the students who are part of your the Elevar program, were they all first-year students or did any of them come from a community college program? They're all first-year students. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to keep in touch with other students from high school, from NOAA's high school, who are in other programs? And can you tell us a little bit about those programs? So there's one in Arkansas, the University of Arkansas. He is doing phenomenal. He's living in the home setting, the house setting. So he's got basically an RA that lives with them in the house. Then we have one that's at OU. He's living kind of the same life that NOAA's living. He is in a dorm and he's got his own room. And for him, it was more of an adjustment, but he's ridden above that wave, so to speak. He's had his speed bumps. He's overcome those challenges that he initially had because he is far. His parents are here in South Lake and he's in Oklahoma, but he's doing fine now. So again, he had his initial speed bumps, but now he's accelerating. And he's doing fantastic. 
which most college students, you know, that's to be expected. You're exactly. going to have some speed bumps mm-hmm. initially or, or along the way. And learning how to handle those speed bumps, it's not that they occur. It's, it's learning how to handle them when they do occur. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to share your story with other parents? So we are actually going to do with the administration building with Think College for Southlake. And it will be happening in the fall. It was supposed to happen in May, but we weren't able to connect dates. But that is coming because they also want to see of the students that have gone through the Southlake school system, of those who went to college, how's it going? What's the experience been like? Pros, cons, what could be better? So that's one of the things that they're looking at. And so, yes, Noah and I will be participating in that. Oh, that's great. Well, it sounds like Noah has had such a positive experience. Is there anything that you think, oh, that could be a little bit better, or maybe we could do that differently, or maybe they could do that differently? So I would say I gave that feedback to Dr. Levingston, the director of the program, was they are doing a class for special education, which I think is with sex education, which I think is fantastic. But we need to start to touch on they have phones. They have access to the Internet navigating those waters because there's a lot of dating apps. They see everybody on campus dating. Well, why can't I date? Well, they're using this app. Well, why can't I use this app? You know, the pros and cons, you know, the dangers of these apps. So that was something that they didn't think about, but they're now going to implement come next year as they're going through this course. Because I said, that's something that's real, that's tangible, you know. There are dangers to it mm-hmm. that I don't think, you know, they took into consideration. And that some of them would be inappropriate for them to use. Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you aware of where the first program like this, where it started and how long ago it started? I want to say the counselor told me the first one was in New Mexico, because that was the initial one that we were talked about when Noah was in the sixth grade. The counselor asked us, she said, hey, you know, have you even thought about college? And I'm thinking to myself, holy moly, I'm dealing with a kid that's having meltdowns. This is not even, I don't even think this is a path. And she says, but there is a place in New Mexico where, you know, they live. And I said, yeah, you know, I I don't think we're there yet. (laughs) But yeah, I want to say New Mexico was the first one. Well, that's great. And now to think that there are so many available and hopefully more and more because it sounds like an excellent program. More and more, and that I hope that more corporations continue to look at diverse learners in a different light. So when we took a tour of Bank of America to see their operation, I was just floored at how the managers interacted with the employees, how the employees were just so happy to be there. I pulled the manager aside and I said, you know, I got to ask you, when you were first approached about this business unit starting up, you know, what were your thoughts? He goes, oh my goodness. He goes, I had my regular employees and I thought, I immediately put, raised my hand and said, I want this group. He goes, these guys come in happy-go-lucky. They want to give you 150%. And he goes, and they leave happy and they get here on time. They are just go-getters. He goes, who doesn't want a team like this? He goes, and their rate of quality is 95.5. He goes, so they take pride in accuracy. 
He goes, so they want to give you 100. So he said, it's a win-win for him. What kinds of tasks are the employees doing in this program? So there, what they have is employees that are doing loan processing. So they start some that are grabbing all the documentation and putting it together in a packet for processing loan applications. Then you have others that have surpassed that and are now actually on computers inputting all the data. And then you have others that it's so it just keeps streamlining. And he said, you know, that manager told me, he says, you know, our goal is to have them start here, but then eventually come out of our business unit and work in other business units. And, and I said, so what has that rate been like? You know, have you had your employees actually go out into other business units that are not in this diverse learners program? And he goes, yeah, we've had three so far. He goes, we help them prepare for an interview and then we put them out there. And he goes, and one guy took four chances, but he finally got the job. We met him because it was going to be his last day Friday. And he was, you know, just saying how thankful he was and he was looking forward to his new opportunity. So that to me speaks volume of a corporation that looks at what they can do Mm -hmm. and how can we, how can we use them? Really focuses on their strengths. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Did they mention once they leave that business unit, is there any additional training for their coworkers? Yes. Yes. They have a training program for every employee because we don't know where one of these employees are going to wind up. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Lourdes. I know we've gone a little bit over and thank you for sharing your journey as a parent. That's not always easy to do. So we really appreciate that. Thank you for supporting Noah as you have. What a great mom you are. We have to be champions for our our kids. You know, we got to think big. We got to think outside the box and challenge the status quo. We have to. We owe them that. And more and more doors are opening up. And so I encourage every parent out there, think big, think college, think beyond today because they will surprise you. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Lourdes. Thank you. Thanks for joining us here at Keys for SLPs, providing keys to open new doors to better serve our clients throughout the lifespan. Remember to go to speechtherapypd.com to learn more about earning ASHA CEUs for this episode and more. Thanks for your positive reviews and support. I would love for you to write a quick review and subscribe. Keep up the good work.